You're listening to the Keith to the City podcast. Voices rising like a church choir. All right, the Yankees' miserable start to the season continued in Houston, dropping uh, three more games now to fall to 5-7. and seven. They've played 12 games. They've had leads in 11 of them. Somehow they've only won five as the uh, injuries are certainly a cause for concern, but the overall uh, lackadaisical play from the team, the management, the offense, the bullpen, the rotation, everyone's to blame. They get sort of a break this week, an off day on Thursday, and then the White Sox are in town Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, so maybe they'll pick up some wins. Joining me today to talk Yankees-White Sox, with the White Sox headed to the Bronx is White Sox Dave from Barstool Sports Chicago. Dave, how's it going today? It's good. Good to be back. Um, <laughs> I like the subtle jab that you threw at me. <laughs> well, I Am wouldn't I- necessarily call it a jab yet because uh, the Yankees lost two out of three to the Orioles at the beginning of the season, then two out of three to the Tigers. So I'm not, you know, counting my chickens here. I, I think given what the Rays just did to the White Sox, I should expect to sweep. But given the way the Yankees have played, I'll just settle for a series win. Okay, I so they lost two or three to the Tigers. And obviously the Orioles is unacceptable. <laughs> the Orioles are one of the worst put-together baseball teams in the history of baseball. I, I, I don't even know. I don't think what, – what did they win last year? Like 55 games? They won, I think – 47 last year 40 they didn't even win 50 games last year that okay that is unbelievable i didn't even (laughs) realize that bad like 55 is atrocious 47 is beyond bad yeah uh like they're they're even worse this year than they were last year and there's i think they're rattling off like wins here and there the tigers i don't get it because the tigers should be one of the you know they should making a be making a gun for that number two pick but they're they're playing good baseball right now they're they're winning i mean obviously it's early they're leading the central so two hot teams that will inevitably fall off into just dog shit (laughs) uh, i mean they just caught them at the wrong time maybe early in the season fresh arms no injuries whatever it is well your white Sox rough start to the season uh in my annual uh you know pick five overs pick five unders for the season i picked them under their number was 74 they won 62 last year. I wasn't sure how, without Manny Machado, they're going to make up a 12-win difference. And when you look at this lineup, their best on-base guy going into this season from last year was John Jay, who wasn't even on the team last year. Then it He's- was uh, Jose Abreu at 325, Alonzo at 317, then a lot of guys sitting in the high 200s. So... It's not, you know, surprising to me that that they're this bad. I thought they're headed in the right direction. They seemingly are. They do have some good young talent, which we'll get to. But for you, I mean, how disappointed are you? Or are you even over the fact yet that they weren't able to get Machado? I'm completely over that. I was out in Arizona covering spring training, towards the end of spring training. And I was talking, I'm not going to name names or anything, but I was talking to a few players not on the White Sox, current big league players that, uh, agent friends of mine rep and they were telling me they're like you don't understand how happy you should be that you dodged <laughs> that contract so I, I, I that has nothing to do with Bryce Harper because Bryce Harper I would have paid a billion dollars to play for the White Sox I don't know why they didn't like just give him the most money it makes no sense to me because their payroll is absolutely nothing right now but that's a different stories but uh 
going into this season, I I expected a couple things to go like this that haven't gone like this so far. I thought the bullpen was going to be very good. It's been awful so far. They have really good like guys that throw mid upper nineties and have two three plus pitches in their in their bullpen that could you know theoretically shorten the games for the starting pitchers that should be inserted sixth seventh eighth ninth inning that should be shut down guys guys that you don't know of yet but guys that have the the talent without the experience yet to be really good big league relievers and they've just been bad so far and then with the lineup so i thought they were actually gonna hit a lot of home runs this year like creep towards 200 because abreu was hurt all last year he's off to a great start mancata like I've said this a million times from last year, like if you watch him every single day, like I do, you knew it was just a matter of time when he's going to take off and he's looked so good so far. And then you had Alonzo 30 home runs. You got Eloy Jimenez who hasn't hit for power yet though. He's, you know, he's hitting the ball a little bit. Um, so I thought the lineup was going to be overall a big improvement because Abreu was going to be healthy. Uh, Eloy was going to be, you know, hopefully rookie of the year candidate. Mikata is going to take a step forward. Alonzo is going to hit 25 to 30 home runs. So, and I didn't think the starting pitching was going to be any good, but it's been dog shit too. Everybody's been dog shit other than Tim Anderson, Anderson, Yohan Mikata and um, Eloy and Abreu a little bit. So it's just been bad, bad, bad. So it sounds if, like the Yankees. If you would have asked me before the season what their like best case scenario was, I'd say like if everything goes perfectly, they would maybe win 80 games. I think uh, a fair number to say would be more like 70, 72, and like a median number would be 74, 75. Obviously, it's early. You know, the bullpen might be as awesome as I thought it was moving forward, but so far it's just been bad. Well, it sounds like the Yankees there with all the issues. You know, this guy sucks. This guy's playing like crap. That's pretty much what we've dealt with. And then you factor in the fact that the Yankees have Stanton, Anduar, Hicks, Batances, Sabathia, Severino, Tulowitzki. Pretty much half the team is on the on the injured list. So right. that's a huge excuse. And I know if things don't go the way they were supposed to go this season as the favorite to win the World Series entering the season, that Brian Cashman and Hal Steinbrenner and ownership will fall back on the injuries as an excuse. Um, certainly they've exhausted their depth to this point. We're watching guys who you know don't belong anywhere near a major league roster getting at-bats seemingly on a, on a nightly basis. So things have been a disaster. If they can just tread water, get through the rest of this month, um, you know they've got the White Sox and they've got two against Boston, then the Royals, then the Angels, then the Giants, and the Diamondbacks. So it's pretty smooth sailing outside of the series they just got swept against the Astros and the two against Boston next week. Uh, but it sounds like the White Sox are having similar problems with the Yankees where the guys you expected to perform really aren't. The bullpen for the Yankees has been a disaster. Like, I, I, I know it is true, but how? Like, <laughs> I mean, Batances is hurt, right? Yeah, so Batances hasn't pitched yet, and he's the most trustworthy guy um, right. probably in my in our lifetime outside of Mariano to, to come out of the bullpen. Then you've got um, Adam Adovino, who's been outstanding. Zach Britton, he wasn't good when they traded for him last year at the deadline. He gave up the you know insurance run home run to Christian Vasquez in the playoffs that I, I, you know ultimately led to their demise. Uh, they gave him the biggest free agent reliever contract this offseason. He's getting farther removed from his Achilles injury and the surgery, but... 
he swings and misses her down. Uh, the hard hit contacts up. He doesn't strike anyone out, and it's just a recipe for disaster. When the late innings, you're bringing him out on with guys on base, and he's giving up. You know, granted, he's throwing 95 mile an hour sinkers, but you put the ball in play enough, it's going to score runs. That's very true. Um, I mean, I'm I obviously not looking at the Yankees roster construction and how they're producing nearly as in depth as you are, but I mean, at the top of my head, you got. All right, Chapman closing. Who? How's he Untrustworthy, been? Untrustworthy, but Un- okay. I would call him a six out of ten because he. I know his velocity. You know, everyone's talking about the velocity and how he's only at ninety seven, ninety eight for a guy who's one hundred five. But if you have trouble getting people out at ninety seven, ninety eight, that that's a bigger issue. That yeah, that's very true. Okay, I didn't even realize his velo was down. I mean, that's still early. I doubt he even really threw in spring training. It's probably cold out still. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Britain, I know he's aging. I know he had the Achilles out of Vino. I. Adovino, this is my comparison to Adovino. He's shut down for like four or five just awesome A-plus innings in a row, and then he'll just completely shit the bed like David Robertson. I love David <laughs> Robertson. He's a great pitcher, but they're like the exact same pitcher in my mind. Yeah. Like I mean, some reason they just shit the bed here and there. <laughs> I would have re-signed Robertson. I know there was this uh, you know report that came out that he was sort of at the head of uh, the clubhouse at – decided not to give full playoff shares or even half shares to some of the coaching staff and some of the lesser players. And I think that led to him not being brought back. But if you're going to go into the season, you know, you lose Robertson. So you add out of, you know, that's sort of a wash. You bring back Britain, who was on the team last year, um, but he wasn't very good last year. He's not been very good this year. And then you're missing Batances. What was supposed to be the strength on this team outside of just mashing and setting home run records was the bullpen. And it's just been a train wreck so far. Yeah. Uh, that, I mean, that, it's very, very surprising to me to hear. And like I said, I'm just watching from a distance, you know, checking box scores here and there. But that that theoretically should be a shutdown bullpen. But like I said, I like the bullpen is something that you can flip a switch on either good or bad overnight, I think. So I don't think there's too much to worry with the Yankees. What you what are they? Five hundred right now? Five and seven. Five and seven. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I think they'll be fine. I as far as the rotation, Tanaka's Tanaka. I mean, what's he been doing? He's been great. He's uh, had three outstanding performances. Uh, he won yeah. on opening day. Um, then he beat the Tigers, and then he had a he left the game with a three run lead after six innings against the Astros, and the bullpen blew it. So essentially, he he's been their best starter. He should be three and zero if not for uh, Zach Britton on uh, Monday night. Okay, then you got uh, J Hap. J Hap, who's been awful. <laughs> All, he, he, he's just home runs left and right. Uh, his first start of the year against the Orioles, give up a three-run homer in the first, a solo shot in the second, sort of settled down after that. Then he faced Baltimore again the following weekend, didn't pitch well. Um, so you'll see him this weekend. Uh, you know, he was great for the Yankees last year. Down the stretch, he made 11 starts. They didn't lose any of them. Um, you know, he got rocked in game one of the playoffs at Boston. Uh, and really, we haven't seen the good Jay Happ now since the end of the regular season last year. Huh. Okay, so that's troublesome. With Sabathia, he'll be back. He's his first start of the year Saturday, Um, so we'll see what he's got then. Uh, Paxton's been brutal. Um, Really? Yeah. Paxton too. Yeah, he, you know, last year at the deadline, every Yankees fan wanted him. I, you know, didn't want to mortgage the farm for him because one, he's never pitched more than 160 innings in a season. He's on right. the disabled list or now the injured list at least once a year. Um, but his performance has always been pretty good. It's not, he's never been, you know, the ace that his stuff suggests he should be. Um, but I didn't think I'd have to worry about his performance on the Yankees. I thought I'd have to worry about him getting hurt, but now he's faced the Orioles twice and the Astros once. 
He's only pitched 15 innings over three starts. And a team, the Astros, last year, he went 4-0 against in four starts. He got lit up um, on Wednesday night, 11 base runners in four innings, 95 pitches. So he, it's been a struggle for him, but that's sort of the norm. Outside of really Sabathia and Tanaka, no starting pitcher that Cashman has ever traded for or signed through free agency has, has really panned out. The guys who were on the team prior to him becoming general manager, like Pettit, uh, just, you know, had lengthy career. Severino was an international free agent signing as a kid, so he doesn't really count. But the Yankees' problem has always been starting pitching since, you know, their dynasty years, and, and that really hasn't changed lately. Huh, and then, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, like, take this all in right now and give <laughs> the best, like, outsider's perspective on it. Who's, okay, you got, all right, Tanaka, Paxson, Hap, uh, the, uh, the uh, what's, what the hell's his name? Domingo uh, Herman. Yeah, and yeah, he's, he's been great. I mean, he has unbelievable stuff. He gets, yeah. you know, he's in like the top percentage of uh, swings and misses. Yeah, but he just, you know, there's he'll throw a, like he did last year against the Indians. You know, six inning no hitter, and then the next start he'll have the bases loaded by walks in the first inning. So right. you never yeah. know really know what you're going to get out of him. But I, I, that's not really a shock because if you're setting him up as your five, uh, you know, when Severino is healthy. But at this point, we don't even know if Severino will pitch this season. Uh, and then Jonathan Loisiga, who is their number two overall prospect, their number one pitching prospect, who has great stuff, uh, but he tries to nibble, he tries to get cute, and then his pitch count gets too high through three or four innings and he has to come out so the rotation was always a question mark entering the season but I expected it to be better than it has so far and you know it's also sort of a domino effect because when you're going four and five innings and you're asking Britain and Adovino to pitch every night they're bound to have the meltdowns that they've had last week exactly right for sure so there's your five and seven record right there (laughs) I mean Hulk is like the okay uh Frazier is he's very polarizing to me. Like yeah, I, I mean, love what he's, he, he when he's on. I mean, he's he's a, a middle of the order bat. His defense. I mean, he dropped two balls the other night in the outfield against the Astros, uh, which led to a loss. But yeah, I mean, he's got crazy good power. What Cashman calls yeah. uh, legendary bat speed. Oh, so, his bat speeds. It's top of the class. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you know, he's. I, I my hope is that by the time Hicks is ready to come back. Frazier will keep on this pace and they'll just phase Gardner out into the fourth outfielder role, which he should be. He shouldn't have even been re-signed. They should have given Brantley a deal. Uh, but the fact is they misread the free agent market. First day of free agency got Gardner back at seven and a half million, which was just an idiotic decision for a team that's in a championship window. Uh, but hopefully Frazier is able to phase Gardner out. It sounds like you're like, I know negative Neil, you're just all negative about this team, man. And you, that's a <laughs> really nice 25 man roster. Yeah, right I mean, the thing is I am, I'm not negative. I always say I'm a realist. You know, I call things as they are. I'm the, you know, there's people who Gary Sanchez just had a day, day off. DH had another day off. And I get on him on, on the lineup construction on Twitter and everyone says, you know, you need to relax. It's early. It's early. I would relax if the Yankees' plans and their strategies for the course of a long season worked. If, you know, extra rest in April was going to make this team perform better in September and October, I'd be fine with it. But there's nothing to say that actually has happened or works. They haven't made the World Series in 10 years. They haven't won anything in 10 years. They haven't won the division in seven years. So it would be one thing if they had the track record over the last decade that this plan and these strategies work, but it doesn't work. Or at least it hasn't proven that it's worked. But from what it sounds like in the Twitter sphere, like everybody thinks, and I and I'm one of these guys. I think Brian Cashman is just unbelievable at what he does. And I mean, I I, I don't think a lot of GMs in 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 front office execs. I don't think their goal is to win the World Series every year because that's not real, re, not realistic. 
I think their goal is to be in a position to win the World Series every year. And the Yankees have done that. So, I mean, once you get to the playoffs, it's kind of a crapshoot. Obviously, usually the cream rises to the top. Last year was the Red Sox. Um, this year, the Red Sox look like dog shit. So for that 10-year stretch that you're talking about, I think the Yankees have done a great job of being where they need to be to win a World Series. And I get that you have to create a plan for the 162-game season. And then, like you said, once you get to the playoffs, who knows who's going to become the next you know, Steve Pierce or Nathan Evaldi. You, you can't plan for those things over a short no. series. But the, the fact of the matter is the Yankees, they do think so. Like They're so analytically driven. Um, they have sleep researchers determine when they should get into hotels and road trips, what time they should work out, what days this guy is, you know, should hit in the cage, what days he shouldn't. But then they do things like Brad, Brad, Brad Gardner lead off every game of a season. And I know that Hicks is out, but there's better options. And there's just little things that, that really, you know, tweak me and, and make me upset. And that's where, you know, people on Twitter say to calm down and that it's a long season and it's only right. April. But the Yankees are also in a unique circumstance where they have to worry about the Red Sox. And, and even more so, what I've been preaching, they have to worry about the Rays. If you look at the Astros, they're going to— yeah, the Rays are great. They're, the Astros will run away with the division. The Indians, once they get healthy, will probably run away with the, uh, their division. The Yankees are in a position where if you don't win the division, you are then playing a one-game playoff for your life. So the, the penalty for not winning the division is so great that there needs to be urgency. And Aaron Judge sure. talked about it even after the first loss of the season. Look what happened last year. The Yankees played nine games worse against last-place teams than the Red Sox. And they lost the division by eight games. So people can talk about how great the Red Sox were last year, but the Yankees were right there with them for most of the season. But their record and their play against crappy teams is what cost them the division. That, that's very well said. And, I mean, I, I, I got no rebuttal to that. And <laughs> like like what we, we had that old back and forth on Twitter the other day. I, I am so disappointed in how the teams have acted or the, how the White Sox have acted and performed thus far that I would not be su- surprised if the Yankees just blow the doors off them. So but <laughs> yeah, if, if you, if I watched, like, I watched that Rays series and the Rays just, it, in the first inning, every day, the game was over when you have every Blake Snell going and Charlie Morton and Tyler Glasnow, and you get a three to five run lead in the first inning, the game's over. I just don't know that the, the, the Yankees will do what the Rays did because everyone's, you know, it's funny. All Yankees fans are laughing at the Red Sox and this one, number one, the, the Red Sox steamrolled us in the playoffs. They won the World Series. The Yankees haven't won in a decade. So the next time any Yankees fan should talk negatively about the Red Sox is either when the Yankees beat them in the playoffs or win the World Series. But everyone's focused on their 3-9 and nine start. No one's worried about the Rays. The Rays are legitimate. They have three great starters. They have a dominant opener plan. And they have a lineup full of nobodies who only get hits and hit home runs when there's guys on base. That's a recipe for winning a lot of baseball games. <laughs> it's wild, and no one's talking about them, but like you just you just saw them beat up on your team, so you have a better perspective on this than, than any Yankees fan right now. So every year I do this pool. It's it's a hundred dollar entry. You it's ten guys. You get every play, or every guy in the league gets to pick three teams. Most wins at the end of the year with those three teams combined, you win the pot or whatever it is. I in the I. It, for my second pick, I took the Rays, and everyone was like, what the fuck are you doing? What the, like, <laughs> I'm like, no, this team's really good. And this year, like, Glass now has legitimate video game shit. And, like, they're only, they've only gotten better. So you're absolutely right when you say that. Like, you don't just have to worry about the Red Sox, even though that's a historic, not just baseball rivalry, rivalry in sports. You have to worry about the Rays because that team could – absolutely win the division yeah and i saw that strikeout gif of him against uh, i think it was tim anderson when he was throwing like 50 footers that he was swinging yeah. at there was 
about 12 of those yesterday. <laughs> well, well, let's talk some White Sox. And with Tim Anderson, they gave him that huge deal before, you know, he had be, even like stepped foot on Major League Field, basically. And he's been pretty bad. But now all of a sudden, maybe this is, is the guy that they banked on. The, so they're, the White Sox, one thing that they have, ex, I'm going to say excelled because they have been that good at it, is ex, extending players, getting an extra couple of years of team control with them for very cheap. So when you look at a 22, 23-year-old kid, you say, hey, like, here's a list of busts that thought they were going to be walking towards a $100 million payday. We'll give you $35 million right now with the potential to make $50 million if you give us an extra year or two before you're a free agent. Or you could gamble on yourself, make you know five hundred grand a year your first three years, then go to arbitration, maybe make a few million your first year, maybe make – if you're an all-star, 15 million total, what are you going to take? You're going to take that 50 million. So that's what the White Sox did with Sale. That's why his contract was awesome. What they did with Quintana, what they did with Anderson, what they just did with Eloy Jimenez. So, I mean, if like if you if you if Tim Anderson were a free agent right right now, he would sign for easy, I would say seven to nine million a year, and they're only paying him right now like seven million a year. So. He's getting market rate just way younger, but he's doing that in years where he'd be making five hundred grand. So everybody looks at it and it's like, oh, why are why are they paying him this much money when they don't need to? It's to get the extra couple of years of control at him. Um, and they're also team options. So if he does suck, who cares? They're paying him seven mil a year for whatever. That's you know, that's peanuts. But if he's awesome, they have control over those last two years for dirt cheap instead of letting him walk as a free agent or, you know, offering him $100 million as a free agent. But Tim Anderson, he's turned into an absolutely phenomenal defensive shortstop. If the ball's hit to him, it's an out. He's a great, great defender. Uh, He's got pop. He was 25, almost 25-25 last year. It's just his on base. He swings at everything, which kind of (laughs) sucks. But, um, I mean, this year he's hitting the shit out of the ball. He's, He's been so fun to watch, so... Um, obviously it's not, he's, he's hitting like 560 right now, plays grade a defense. And then, you know, is a 25, 25 guy. That's a bona fide, you know, very good major league shortstop that any team would kill for. So, yeah, I mean, if it pans out the way he's hitting now, or, you know, at least certainly his actual numbers right now are not sustainable, but the fact that he's projected at market value now is something the Yankees finally, you know, they used to have this no extension policy under any circumstances. The only time they really went and uh, against it was for Cano a long time ago, and they did it once for Gardner. But aside from that, they, uh, you know, had this policy, no extensions till your contract's over, because to them, it was like, why risk it when we could just outbid anyone in free agency anyway? Um, they finally <laughs> scrapped that this offseason and gave Severino four years, 40 million, and Hicks an extension at seven years, 70 million, which were very team-friendly deals given the disastrous uh, state of free agency. Um, so it's good to see, you know, certainly teams like uh, the White Sox who have, you know, been ahead of the curve with that. Um, it's good to see that the Yankees finally joined and because free agency, you know, this was probably the last great free agent class ever. Uh, Everyone is signing, you know, long-term extensions now, and it might be 10 years, it might be never, where two 26-year-old generational stars become free agents. So I I would think every team from now on will just be locking up their talent at young ages. Yeah, the the Braves just did it, uh, I guess, right before I hopped on. I haven't looked at it yet, but I got a text message from a buddy saying the Braves uh, locked up Albies today for a a dirt-cheap extension. Yeah, they just did a Kuna as well, what was that, last week? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, right? Front offices and ownership and owners have done an unbelievable job 
of beating player salaries down to the point where they're terrified to even become a free agent because then you got to deal with the shit like like Dallas Keuchel's dealing with right now. That, no, who wants to sign a 33, 34 year old pitcher who's for five or six years when you could only maybe get a good year or two out of them? Same with uh, a closer. Who wants to sign a closer anymore when you can pay someone, you know, some rookie that throws a hundred miles an hour? Half a million. Yeah, no, I hear you. I, I think it makes all the sense. And that's sort of what I feel like the Yankees are battling with right now with Keuchel because, like you said, you, you don't know. You're probably going to get one good year out of him. His, you know, every you know, big time statistic of his has declined, and he's pitching more like a 40 year old than a 30, you know, one year old at this point. And he's asking for you know money in the qualifying number age. Even probably for three years, you'd probably have to give him like at least, you know, close to 50 million, which who knows right. what you're really going to get for three years. You, you don't know what you're going to get, so the teams aren't giving it anymore, which yeah. I get that. But at the same time, players are fucking furious. They're signing dirt cheap extensions because they're afraid, and I think it's making a beeline to a, a work stoppage. Yes, unfortunately. Of, very unfortunate. So the baseball in general, because of that stuff, has – they got a lot of work to do, like starting yesterday on <laughs> finding a middle ground that'll make owners, teams happy and the players happy. Well, a few years ago when the Yankees decided uh, to, to stand pat at their offer to Moncada and the Red Sox swooped him and signed him, um, every Yankees fan was furious. And I think rightfully so because of, you know, how regarded he was. Um, certainly his first couple of years didn't go the way that people thought, but he was also, you know, a 22, 23 year old kid, uh, you know, adjusting to major league baseball. He's finally starting to break out in what is just a two week sample size, but it seems like the, the real Moncada that the, the White Sox traded for has finally arrived. Yeah, he, he's arrived. And, and like I said earlier, I, I watch every game and I, tr- I nitpick it down to the like most minute detail. And with Mikata, one, he, he struck out 88 times looking last year. And the next most was Judge at like, at like 58 or 62. It was like he was most by far in baseball. And of those 88 strikeout lookings, it was like something like 36 of them were on pitches that should not have been called strikes. He's, he's legitimately a robot umpire away from being a Hall of Famer because his eyes are that good. He just got completely boned by, by fucking umpires last year. But to counter that, he was also taking pitches right down the dick early in the count instead of turning on him. My whole thing was with him, I was like, I would rather have a player like Mankata and teach him to swing and be aggressive than a player like Tim Anderson, who you got to teach to be patient. I think it's much easier to teach someone to be more aggressive than to teach someone to be patient. This year, he's swinging at first pitch fastball and he's hitting gaps and hitting bombs. So, like I, I'm, I always said that I'm like, as soon as he makes that one adjustment, it's going to take a bit. But he will do it, and it will be off to the races, and that's what we've seen so far. Well, it's unfortunate because the Yankees' decision to not sign him, the Red Sox sign him, then they use him in the trade to get Sale. Sale dominates the Yankees as the active pitcher with the you know best numbers against him. His ERA is like either just below or just over one against the Yankees in his career. He wins a division for Boston. He beats the Yankees in Game 1, pitches for the Red Sox to the World Series, comes out of the bullpen, does everything, and whatever's going on with him right now, you know, I, I don't know if that'll last, but maybe their extension for him wasn't 
wasn't the best idea, but uh, he did the job. If he if he never throws another pitch for the Red Sox, he did what he went there to do, and it came at the expense of the Yankees' decision to not sign Mankata a few years ago. Um, for you, I know Chris Sale. You know, if there's uh, man crushes in the world, yours for him. You know, as a White Sox pitcher, uh, was more so than probably any fan with any player in the league. Um, how devastated were you when he was traded? Oh, it, it crushed me. I mean, I knew I knew it was coming. Like, and I assumed it was going to be the Red Sox because it made perfect sense for both teams. Uh, back then, the Red Sox had a loaded farm. Uh, set, now they don't because a lot of the like Devers is in the show. Uh, they and they traded a lot for Kopech, so it's you know obviously it's hard to be a world champion and have a loaded farm system at the same time. When it did happen, I was like shocked and it, it crushed me. I hated it, but I mean I'm I'm over it at this point and. I don't want to say I hope he fails, but I hate the Red Sox so much. <laughs> like his start to the season right now, especially after signing that thirty million dollar a year extension, it it makes me laugh a little bit. <laughs> so you don't root for him anymore? No, I no, not whatsoever. I was happy to see him win. I just wish it would have happened with someone else. I do, I would love to get him a world, uh, Cy Young. I don't know if he's young enough to do that anymore. Because I think a Cy Young, that would have cinched up a Hall of Fame career for him. For you, you know, you talk about how much you hate the Red Sox, which probably isn't on my level, but you must also be happy that with the, with the Cubs start. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I'm every single, well, I'm pissed off at him right now. So I got this new thing I'm doing where I bet the White Sox over because their pitching sucks and the <laughs> Cubs over every single game. So yesterday the Sox over hit, but um, the Cubs, they... They stranded like a billion runners and lost five to two, and the over under was uh, seven and a half. But keep firing away on it. That's the better. If you want to do that, that's the better. The better the night every single day right now. But <laughs> with the the Cubs, I don't think they're gonna like. They're not gonna turn into some juggernaut. They're not the best team in that division anymore. The Brewers are absolutely the better team. They're they're deeper offensively. Their pitching is is more youthful and they're they want it more it seems like yeah no i hear you and i think what's funny about that over bet is the cubs always have high overs no matter who they're playing it seems like and they do always i mean this is a trend that's been going on for a few years a few years now and they do always hit like if you do an under parlay or you know do have an under bet and the cubs are in it they're, they're probably gonna screw you over yeah they 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 ruin my life even when they're losing baseball games <laughs> Well, the White Sox have a, a pair of former Yankees in, in Manny Benuelos and uh, Ivan Nova. Two, you know, Benuelos was projected. He was, you know, tied to Batances forever as the, the next generation of great Yankees pitchers. But injuries, you know, d- disastrously derailed his career as a Yankee, and he ends up getting traded to the Braves um, in the deal that brought them Chase and Shreve. Ivan Nova, this is a guy who ended up being their best pitcher in 2011, um, Started, uh, you know, w- you know, going into that postseason series against the Tigers was their best pitcher. Um, they had him pitch Game Five, and, and what ended up being a loss is he, you know, got hit around pretty hard in the early innings. Uh, but his career with the Yankees was so up and down. He was a Cy Young contender at moments, and basically, you know, how does this guy play baseball for a living at other moments? So um, he's had a rough start to go for the White Sox to begin. But um, I can't think of a more frustrating pitcher in the last two decades than Ivan Nova for the Yankees. Yeah, I mean. His career is on its last legs as well. <laughs> I mean, like it, it, it really pisses me off to talk about because the White Sox have this thing that we make fun of them about it when they they are like infatuated with signing players who are like they sign for them or even trade for them, like players that were once great. They did it with Ken Griffey Jr. 
They did it with Manny Ramirez. They did it with Jose Canseco. They did it with, to a lesser extent, Ivan Nova. And, like, the list goes on and on and on. Um, uh, what's his face? The, the fucking uh, Red Sox first baseman that, that had the weird funky stance. Why am I blanking on his name? Oh, Kevin Euclid. Yeah, Euclid. Yeah, Euclid. They got him when he was over the hill. Like, all these guys. And then Ivan Nova's kind of just added to the list. Banuelos was a really highly thought of Yankees prospect at once, and he couldn't ever stay healthy. He's actually – he's got a good arm. I actually yeah, like he does. Long relief. He throws strikes, and he has, like, three good pitches. Like, if, if he finds this little niche as just, you know, a long reliever lefty, like, he's got – he's okay. He's okay. So – but Ivan Novi, I don't care what his ERA this is for him this year because it's a complete throwaway year again. But if they can get like 160, 70 innings off him, that's all I care about. Yeah, well, the White Sox, uh, you know, they got Lucas Giolito, who a couple years ago was the number one prospect in all of baseball, has never pitched like the number one prospect in all of baseball. Had a tough time striking anyone out for a while. Uh, his K per nine now this year are pretty solid. But um, what's his ceiling? Certainly it isn't what he was projected to be, you know, a true ace, a true number one guy. Um, when he starts against the Yankees, I get excited because to me it's it's a win. Um, what do you view if Giolito as now and what do you expect him to turn into? Oh. Um, um, okay, so Giolito's like six 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 seven, and he is he's like been growing through his ascension in in the minors and into Major League Baseball, and this is like kind of how I compare him. You know, like you know that that weird kid in high school that's like five two his sophomore year, <laughs> go on summer break, and then all of a sudden you come back for the next school year, and he's like. 6'2", <laughs> and he's just so tall and uncoordinated that he doesn't know how to handle the height, really. That's, you know, that's him. That's him. And, you know, when you're pitching, there's a ton of moving parts, and it's really hard to repeat and your me- mechanics and develop muscle memory, especially when you're still growing. So I always liked his arm because he throws 94 and 95. He's got a really good curveball and changeup. But his mechanics and his coordination just didn't allow him to have any command whatsoever. But this offseason, he really shortened up his motion almost to like he's a catcher and he's like short arming the ball, kind of like a quarterback, actually. And his first start against Kansas City, he was phenomenal. It's the best he's ever looked. He was dotting eyes, hitting wherever the, the catcher was asking for it was where he was putting it. Then the next start, like he just lost it. He lost all, all his command and his mechanics were all over the place again. So, I mean, I'm holding out hope that he can be a back-end starter. I'm not counting on it at this point. But, I mean, the raw stuff is there. It's absolutely there. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like, certainly not to compare him to Randy Johnson, who's a Hall of Famer, but it took him forever and, you know, his insane, insanely large frame to... You know, repeat his delivery over and over again, and maybe more on Giolito's level is Batances, who he didn't become an everyday major leaguer until he was 26, 27 years old. Um, he has pretty much the same frame and body type as Giolito. You know, the Yankees tried him as a starter for years in the minors. He just didn't pan out. Finally, they put him in the bullpen. His velocity was sitting around 100 as a reliever, where he could just air it out for one inning every couple yeah. days. Uh, maybe that's his future. Maybe it's as uh, you know a flamethrower out of the bullpen. I see. I don't. I don't know if I'll ever have the command you want as someone in the back end of your bullpen. So it's either starter, like okay, so Jose or uh, Lopez. I think he he can be a good high leverage reliever because his command with his fastball is much much better 
than Giolito. I think Giolito's starter or bust. The tall guys, it seems like they get endless chances. Like if he fails with the White Sox, someone else will sign him and then he'll get minor league deals even if he's not good, you know, till he's 35 years old. But yeah, there's so sure. many guys, whether it's Batances or Andrew Miller, guys who didn't, it took till their late 20s and, and a change of either the rotation or the bullpen, a change in their delivery or mechanics. But it is, it is always the tall guys that seem to um, get it at the end, right about when they're running out of chances to get it. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he he's got a long and they're lucky or he's lucky that uh Kopech went down with the UCL last at the end of last year because I mean they would have been probably been running out of with with Dylan C's coming up too they would have been running out of roster spots but he's got another mulligan year so we will see. Jose Abreu's been the guy for the White Sox for the last few years, and now, you know, in his last year of his deal, impending free agent on a team that you've said is going nowhere. Uh, you know, is he the guy that you look to to even get more assets around at the trade deadline this year? I haven't looked at it enough to know if a power hitting should be DH slash dog shit defensive first baseman. <laughs> well, you know, well, I mean, I don't know who's who else is available. But Jose Abreu rakes, and he's he's such a such a good hitter. I, I do think they end up extending him for like three, four more years because who else is out there? They do have a lot of guys in the minor system that profile to be a first base DH, so they might let him walk. But I guess they really value his leadership in the clubhouse, especially with uh, his Cuban connection to um, Mikata and then Luis Robert or Robert, however you say it will be up probably next year. So they, they do like his like mentor and he and he takes he takes charge of that on his own. So um I think they value him more than what other teams value him and what prospect capital they'd give up for him. So I do think he'll be around for the long haul when the Sox are theoretically should be competing. So uh, we'll see, but I mean, I I think he should be a DH. He's a brutal defender. <laughs> What's your you know should be competing? Uh, what is your timeline here? When do you expect them to to get back into the mix well, okay. and be a so, contender in the Central? So this off season, like all right, let's take it back to last August. So Kopech came up to finish up his uh, inning limit on in August. In his fourth start after he had three like dominant starts. Just blowing the ball by people looked like a future Noah Syndergaard. Just looked awesome. And fourth start, he gave up four home runs, and he was sitting like 92. And everyone's like, what the fuck is going on right now? (laughs) And lo and behold, Tommy John. So he's out for this year. He would have been the best pitcher on the rotation, bar none. And then you have Dylan Cease coming up, who just absolutely dominated his first minor league start. And he'll be up probably sometime in June, I would guess. You have all this money that you like should theoretically have. Then you got Machado at third base, Anderson at shortstop, and then I know this for one thousand percent fact that they should have had Jack Peterson and at least uh, left field or center field for him, one of the two. And but the deal fell through because it got leaked, and other teams started checking in. Then the Dodgers had an injury in spring training to an outfielder, so they needed to keep him. So that the deal was like a handshake deal agreed upon that fell through. Because some asshole fucking leaked it. So <laughs> I'm looking at this. I'm like, all right, Jack Peterson. We got Manny Machado, Mikata, Kopech, Cease. And like, and I'm like, that's actually a team that could, if, it, uh, if all goes right, that could be like a team that you're looking at in July or August. And there's the little graphic at the bottom of the screen that says, like, in the hunt for the wild card, like White Sox three games out. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, the depth wouldn't be there to probably win a wild card spot or even the division, which, you know, it might be that's too far fetched. But, I mean, they would have been a really fun team to watch. And then they had the whole Machado bullshit when they fucking lowballed him. The uh, <laughs> Peterson deal fell through. Uh, Tommy John for uh, Kopech. And then uh, we're left with John Jay, Yonder Alonso, and Ivan Nova and Irvin Santana. So I would have said this year, next year they have no cho- this The fan base, I've never seen a Chicago fan base, not against the Bears, not against the Cubs, not against the Bulls who are, have been a dumpster fire. The White Sox fans are so mad at, the, at this team, they're basically boycotting it. They won't go to games right, right now. So they, have, they can either open up the pocketbooks, start trading, whatever they got to do. They have to put a competitive team on the field. Because we haven't seen one in years now. All right, Dave. Well, it was great talking to you. Uh, you know, the Yankees and White Sox will play again uh, in Chicago this summer, so we'll have to do it again. Hopefully, you're right. Hopefully, the Yankees pick up three wins this weekend because they certainly need it. I mean, I it'll probably be the I would the Yankees will win two or three. So, <laughs> thanks again. Yep, no problem. We'll do it again soon.